0: On, on tech is uh, two, section 230 or whole notion of speech on the internet. Uh, this is a section of the 96 Com- Communications Act that allows wow. platforms, but not importantly, not not just big platforms. If you're a company, and then you have a you know a comment site. Uh, you're protected by 230. Um, so it's uh, obviously a big debate. Uh, I don't believe that the Biden administration and his top supporters have said they want to abolish the the 230 protections. I don't believe that's going to happen. You got people like Senator Ron Wyden, a Democrat in the Senate who sponsored that bill still. I think there'll be some kind of reforms towards that, but I don't believe there will be a abolishment. Another area is telecom, just really quickly on that. Um, we have this bizarre, I don't know, to me, it's bizarre focus on net neutrality. It's never been a problem. I, think, I don't think it ever will be a problem. And we keep going, you know, before Obama, we didn't have any rules, everything was fine. And then we had it was classified as Title II in the FCC, like a telephone service. Then Trump, it wasn't, and now it will be. There's no question it will be. The FCC will definitely do that. Um, you know, whatever. Uh, the The key issue there really is: do they sort of go beyond that and start imposing other kind of restrictions on on broadband carriers? The more important issue to me is is broadband stimulus, and and I really think there will be a stimulus package for broadband, and I think it'll be two big areas. One will be rural uh, broadband deployment. Um, We're we're giving money to carriers to deploy broadband in in unserved or underserved areas, and the second big area will be, I believe will happen, will be something on, on the digital divide, some sort of better system of subsidies for uh, low-income families I mean, that just came to home so much in the in the covid lockdown where you know there were poor families that had to have their kids go to school online and, and they, they had a lot of problems not not everybody but some people had real problems with that so there's a real recognition in congress that we got to do something on that and so i i believe there will be some efforts made around uh, getting more people of the ability to afford a broadband at home another area where i'm actually more positive about and that's uh investment Uh, One of the complaints I would make about the Trump administration is they really didn't do anything around public investment in these areas. So I think there's been a lot more money for e-government. You know, the federal government in particular is just, you know, their systems are lagging dramatically behind uh, best in class private sector systems. I think there'd be something on smart cities. I I can we have a new report coming out on smart cities. I think there, there could be some real funding on that. And I think the way it might work out is competitions between regions. So, you know, if your region wants to be a smart city region, you could probably, I mean, if this happens, which I think it could, there might be some kind of national competition you apply. You know, cities commit to doing interesting things around sensors and AI and other things for smart cities, Uh, smart electric grid, um, more effort to digitize uh, our health system and and get more AI involved in it. It was striking to me in the COVID thing that there were uh, public health departments that would fax their information on COVID cases to the um, uh, to the uh, CDC. I don't even I don't even know how to use a fax machine. I mean, I wouldn't know what to do. And they're still using faxes. So come on. Um, 2nd, last area is is industrial policy or advanced industry strategy, uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, This is going to be a big deal for the Trump administration. There's a new report that Eric Schmidt and his team just commission came out with recently uh, a couple of days ago, former CEO of Google calling on calling out how you know our competitive advantage in technology with china is a lot more iffy than people think which i agree with um we've got to do a better job of of national policies to support uh technology companies technology industries that compete with china um that's a bipartisan issue uh you get people like todd young in indiana who's a republican co-sponsored a bill with uh Chuck Schumer who and we work closely with both of them on that bill a uh, 100 billion dollars a year for uh, R&D for NSF for 10 core technologies like quantum and AI and, and autonomous systems and the like um and uh the component another component of that also is if you saw the the announcement 2 days ago 3 days ago by the White House uh, a new executive order on buy american um yeah, you can have different views of that. The reality is they're, they're going to get much more strict on Buy America. Now, if you're an American firm, you know, more, smaller, it's probably good for you. If you're multinational, it's probably bad for you. Um, but this is not just going to apply to the federal government who buys things. It'll apply to people who get contracts from the federal government and what they buy. And it's going to really try to ratchet that down in terms of the ability to buy things outside the U.S. Um, I think it's overall problematic i think it could be revised and targeted more and the last is really trade um trump has really pushed uh, export controls that was kind of one of his you know he was he had he had two weapons the tariffs and export controls i think the tariffs uh, you know ultimately will be brought down uh, but not in any not in any time soon biden doesn't want to look weak he's already vulnerable on china for earlier remarks he made so i don't think he's going to go back from the phase one China deal on the tariffs too much um, and export controls. I think he will uh, Trump really used expert controls to punish the Chinese. It was one of those things that was a sort of a mutual suicide pack. It hurt them, but it also hurt our companies, uh, particularly semiconductor companies like T.I. and, and others. I don't think Trump's going to I don't think the Biden team is going to go down that path very hard. And they'll If they do anything on export controls, it'll be much more around what's called Wassenaar and working with our allies. Um, trade agreements, uh, not much. I just don't think they they have no appetite for trade agreements, at least for another, at least this year, maybe maybe even next year. Um, USMCA is sort of in place, that's going to work its way out. But new deals, like, uh, I should back up, there'll probably be a deal with with the UK. It's an easy deal, the UK wants it, we want it. But us joining what was the TPP, Trans-Pacific Partnership, I, I, I doubt that's going to happen anytime soon. And the last area I'll just say is I think there's going to be increasing tensions with not just China but frankly with the EU. Um, now, Biden team wants to make nice with Europe, um, wants to be Atlanticist and you know multilateralist, and I agree with that. But Europe's doing some terrible things: digital service taxes and uh, this whole uh, tech sovereignty thing, and and all these other cross. You can't take data out of Europe anymore. Unless those get fixed, um, I think there's going to be increasing or you know, ongoing tensions uh, with Europe. So I will stop there. Um oh I see a question here on H1B. Um I should I should have brought that up. Uh Trump team hated H1B. They hated immigration. I mean look, I don't want to I don't want that's not that's not really true. It's not that they hated immigration. They hated certain kinds of immigration and they, they thought there was too much, particularly low-skill immigration. Um But they hated H-1Bs. They just didn't like the H-1B program at all. Um, I don't think Biden's going to have that animus. Uh, I mean, he's already proposed something on H-1Bs. I believe this is right where the spouses could work, which would make it easier, obviously, for H-1B. So my guess is that if Biden gets his way, there will be more liberalization of high-skill STEM immigration, um, the, the key question is, will he get his way in the Senate? I, immigration is just so, so uh, uh, conflictual in the Senate right now, so. Do I believe Biden maybe will continue with Huawei sanctions? No, I do not. Um, we already dealt with the Huawei issue in, in the sense that we banned Huawei and ZTE from the US. Uh, they're not going to sell any equipment in the US. So I never understood. I understood it. I never agreed with it. What's the point of going after Huawei? Uh, all we're doing, yeah, we're hurting them a little bit. But you know, the reality is, if you look at Huawei cell phone sales, Xiaomi and other Chinese companies just they just took their sales. You know, Huawei sales declined. The Chinese other company sales increased. What what have we gained by that? Um, so I think ultimately Trump will will back off from from the Huawei um, from the Huawei export control. Would be my sense. Uh, I think, again, export controls are going to be more, if they do them, they're going to be much more around uh, multilateral. I mean, that's But the Bureau of Industry and Security and Commerce has always says, if you read their thing, export controls should be done with our partners. When we didn't do that, the only, not the only, but one of the main things that happened was that the Chinese, the Chinese just went to the Japanese or they went to the Europeans or they went to the Koreans. And, you know, we lost out and nobody was really hurt other than us. So they're aware of that. And I, I think they want to. Go along with
1: that approach. Well, this is um, a question about the number of export—I mean, executive orders that have come out in the last like week. Um, what is interesting to me is the executive orders come out and like on immigration, and I think probably you know the general public is reading those and thinking this is fantastic. If I'm a PhD student now, I'm going to get to stay in the U.S. Um, if I'm from outside of the U.S. But I think what's lost in some of these is they have to be enacted. I think you alluded to that that then legislation has to be passed, and these legislative uh, measures are really hard to get through um, Congress. And so I think sometimes they signal one thing, but the reality is something else. Same, same actually on Buy American. I mean, the executive order comes out, and it's very, very um, you know, supportive of US industry, but then at the end of the day, it's going to take legislation and regulation to actually do something tangible.
0: Well, I mean, I guess on the immigration thing, I think the one, one thing people oftentimes aren't aware of is um, there, it's generally bipartisan consensus uh, for high-skill immigration. Both parties are willing. There's enough people in both parties uh, to go along with that. The problem is, uh, I mean, politically, is the Democrats don't want to do that. Uh, because they want to tie low-skill immigration to high-skill immigration. They don't want a separate deal because they know that once high-skill immigration is done, the political sort of oomph to support the Democrats on what they want on low-skill immigration um, is a lot less. So that's why for 15 years we have made you know virtually no progress. I and mean, There's little things here and there. There was like some bill that was trying to change so that more Indians could come because of, I, I don't remember some the way that the country caps were set up and industry want to do that so you can play around at the margin and get things like that but i'm skeptical that i'm i don't think there'll be an immigration bill and i'm and and because of that i don't think there'll be much movement on high skill i do think though barbara that some of this stuff can be done i mean you look at what trump did he did a lot of things with executive order so h1b in particular you can do that the um, l1s trump changed on executive order i would imagine trump biden going to go back on that Um, Even on, um, even on by America, there are things he can do. Uh, He just, he just, he doesn't have unlimited power, I guess would be. And and you're right to point that out. He doesn't have Congress still has some, or a lot of control. Any priorities on investment in cyber security? Oh, here they are. Beautiful. All right. Um, Yes, I think the, um, I just saw a, a tweet from a colleague who just, you just got a, High-level or you know, position in the State Department to help lead the cybersecurity efforts, and they're going to bring in a good team on cybersecurity, I believe. Um, and I think it's going to be a, a top, uh, a top, top focus, uh, particularly after Solar Winds. It's one of those weird things where it's like eventually you kind of figure, well, they eventually they're going to take it seriously. But uh, I think now they are going to take it seriously. What that actually means, I just don't know. I would imagine though that you were, that one of the ways that's going to play itself out is in much more stringent cybersecurity rules and regulations for federal contracting. Um, there may be more funding for cybersecurity. I'm just, just not sure exactly uh, how how that'll play out. Uh, how do we like, support broadband equity? Well, I think, so there's a, we have a podcast called Innovation Files, which you know you see on our website. I, I love, obviously, we just had a guy Big, big angel investor out in Silicon Valley. He used to be, he was at Cisco early on, and one of the guys we interviewed, um, he is—he uh, was the digital czar or whatever for the city of Detroit, and the coolest guy ever, man. He was just what Detroit is doing is really phenomenal in my view. They, they have programs. Uh, I'm blanking on the guy's name, but he's—you he's, can see it on our website. He um, has this thing where he gets all the companies together, kind of, kind of like what you're doing. And he's created all these programs, like one is where companies donate um, computers that you don't need anymore. And when you're moving up to a new level of computers, they donate them to this organization and then they train uh, you know, Detroit uh, city residents. Uh, they, they, they train them in computer repair and software and all this stuff and then they give them, although not free, you have to pay a little bit to get some skin in the game to low income families in Detroit. Uh, they're doing all this stuff on training and with churches. Uh, I, it's really, to me, one of the best programs. It's, it's uh, he's the digital inclusions czar. You know, I just look and see what some people like that are doing because uh, I think he's. I think Detroit's now the the mayor and, and and this guy are probably the best in the country on this. They really they really figured out a good public-private partnership. So that might be something that that you'd want to look at. What are the challenges in social reform legislation? Uh, you mentioned social reform earlier, and you said that there may be some challenges towards um, having uh, the legislation. But I didn't. I didn't. I, I was listening to see what the challenges. Were. I don't think you mentioned them later on. I'm sorry. Yeah, a good point. So, you know I'll, I'll give you an example again. There's a. If you read any, almost any article now on facial recognition systems, the articles will say, "Well, we all know that they're racially biased." Uh, because there was a NIST study, and therefore, we should not deploy them. Okay, there's two problems with that statement. Again, if you, you know, NIST evaluated these things, and what they found was, well, let's just say, 100 systems were tested. Uh, what they found was, uh, like, 15 systems had no bias. In fact, actually, one of the systems was actually better on African American women than white white males by, like, you know, a tenth of a percent. Whatever, but essentially, no bias. And, you know, 85 of them had bias uh, the wrong way. They had bias towards white males. You know, They had more accurate uh, readings of white males than non-white males. Almost every reporter who's covered that story in the U.S. and almost every sort of advocate who wants to push for a racial justice agenda has interpreted that as saying facial recognition is inherently biased and we shouldn't deploy it. If that were the case, I would fully support not deploying it. But it's not the case. It does not appear to be the case, according to NIST. So there. Then the next answer is: Okay, if that's the case, what do you do? Uh, what you do is you basically say to you know jurisdictions or, or frankly, even companies. You know, uh, you can't regulate them exactly the same way. But for jurisdictions and governments, and you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, if 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 the border uh, folks have it or TSA have it, you have to deploy systems that have been approved by NIST. that have have gone through the NIST certification that have low or, I mean, almost zero or no levels of racial bias or uh, gender bias. My worry is that that's too nuanced for people. Uh, And it's just going to be, let's ban this stuff. Let's just ban it right off the bat because we all know. I mean, once you get into these, we all know things, you know, we're in trouble because it's hard to go back and say, well, I mean, I actually interviewed a guy recently for our podcast who in his book, he wrote this and I was just like, it was a good book, by the way. It was like I think it was called Bad Robot. It was a cool book about why we shouldn't be afraid of AI. But he had read the article, and so he just repeated what he read in the article, even though the article was wrong. So I think that's 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 one area. Uh, the other thing is there have been a there have been some cases where you've seen AI initial AI deployments having bias. Like for example, Amazon had a hiring AI, um, and it was I think it was biased against women. Um, well, you know what Amazon did? They, they stopped using They First of all, they never used it uh, to make a higher data. They, they had beta on it and they just said, no, it's biased against women. We're not going to do it. And most of the companies, if not you know, almost every company I've ever talked to with AI, they're not, they're not like ignorant of this issue. They know that bias is really, really important. Like we we just, we're, we just did a podcast with this guy, Pedro Dominguez, which will be up in a few weeks. Pedro is a, uh, CS professor, AI professor at University of Washington, which is, you know, in the top six computer science programs in the world. And, you know, Pedro's view is, yeah, most systems are not biased and you can get data sets that are not biased. So rather than, you know, one of the things we wrote a few years ago is a report called uh, Overcoming Data Poverty, where there is limited data on certain types of communities by demographics and and also by place, uh, poorer communities with just less data. Let's fix that problem. Let's really focus on fixing that problem. And let's make sure that companies are working collaboratively and all that to address it, all to the good. But my worry is that that's not what the response will be. The response will be AI is inherently biased. We, you have, you can't use it. Or if you use it, you have to have open source algorithms. You have to, you know, which is a really terrible idea in our view, you know? anyway, so I think that's 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 part of how that could play out. Um, you know, I think the other parts of of the racial justice agenda, for example, making sure that there's adequate and 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 effective uh, technical training for uh, uh, for for STEM skills for for all groups. I mean, that's something we've argued for a long, long time. We we actually wrote a report a few years ago on on um, science high schools, uh, STEM high schools, and we did a. We did a webinar from the museum. I mean, a live event at the museum and we webinared in the Dallas math and science academy, which at the time, I don't know what it's doing now, but at the time it was, I don't know. I'm going to say 80 90% um, ethnic minorities, low, low income kind of working class kids uh, and they were on the top in the country. 1 of the top schools in the country in AP test excellence. Wow, I mean, if you can do that in Dallas, why can't we do that? Why aren't we doing that everywhere? I guess. And so I think, I think it would be nice to be pushing those kinds of things as opposed to this sort of well, this is inherently racially biased, and I I worry that we're going to do the latter rather than more of the former. Why is open source a terrible? I I didn't mean open source, and if I said that, I apologize. I I meant, I mean, we're indifferent to whether open source or closed source. whatever i mean it's whatever business in the market is thinks is best and there'll be different business models what i meant was mandatory disclosure of your algorithms uh if you want to disclose your algorithms because it's open source that should be your business but if you don't want to disclose your algorithm in our view the government shouldn't have the right to sort of say well the only way we're going to do business is to make you disclose your algorithm so it was really more more the the forcing part of it
1: um Uh, so, the question was really, when you look at the funding that was um I think it was nineteen billion or sixteen billion, and there's no language in there for set asides or for the inclusion of small minority or women owned businesses. And I called the FCC and they said, "No, we didn't put that language in there. So I'm just concerned with all the DNI issues, diversity and inclusion issues that we have. I'm surprised that there's no language in there that these companies, must have at least twenty to thirty percent inclusion of small, disabled, disadvantaged, minority, or women-owned businesses.
0: Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, I should back, uh, back back by saying, Doug Brake on our team leads all of our telecom work and is deeply involved with broadband and RDOF and all that. So he would know more about it. My sense is, my understanding is that was a that was a Pi initiative, uh, Republican Chairman Pi. Um, so. And so I don't have any real intelligence, but I would expect as the Biden team goes forward, uh, Jessica Rosenworth is just temporary head of the STD that they will do something along those lines. I don't know what number it'll be, but I I would expect that they're going to take that issue quite seriously compared to what PI had done. Um, The last administration lacked focus and knowledge of AI. well, I don't know. I have a different view of that. Uh, I, I actually thought the administration did did okay on AI. Uh, Michael Kratzios was the CTO. Uh, Michael had been uh, out in Silicon Valley. They had a OMB executive order on on how agencies should not overregulate AI. I think it was very very important executive order. I mean, really important. Uh, Michael's problem at and the administration was he didn't run he didn't run OMB and and the the guy you know OMB Mulvaney basically wanted to cut everything. And Michael was able to fight for some AI increases of funding within that budget constraint. So Lynn Parker was the uh, one of the main advisors on that. Lynn was a, is a computer scientist who's a detailee from NSF. Uh, Lynn, just uh, I just got an email from her the other day, she has been appointed to some new, more permanent position in OSTP under the Biden team. So Lynn is probably going to be doing a lot of the AI, um, leading a lot of the AI work in the Biden administration, and um, she is very, very strong, uh, knows AI, isn't, you know, industry unfriendly. Um, anyway, I, I, but yeah, there'll be a, there will be a focus. There's, there's a lot of folks in, in the Biden world that are really into, you know, IT and tech, and I'm sure they'll bring other folks in as well.
1: Hey Rob, thank you very much. Uh, it's been a great dialogue. I, I've learned a lot, taken a lot of notes. Um, can you share again the name of the podcast that you, you mentioned?
0: Yeah, if you it's if you just go to our website, it's it's itif.org. And then if you click on the little publications link on the top, there's a drop-down menu and it'll say innovation files. And that lists all the podcasts. So, you know, really interesting folks we've had on on that podcast from government, the private sector, you know, all talking about different issues around around tech.